0: Well, Woodland Church, we're starting a new two-part series that I'm calling Olympic Moments. It's all about making courageous decisions at the most crucial times in your life. Now, how many of you guys have been watching the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really compelling television watching. I mean, it's amazing. We love to watch the Olympics. The other night, my family... Uh, was at our house and we were watching American Katie Ledecki swim the women's 1500 meter freestyle. And it was a riveting Olympic moment as we watched Ledecky pull away and win the gold for the US. And someone in our family said, isn't it interesting that the only time we ever watch swimming or care about swimming is in the Olympics? But in the Olympics, we really care. And it's so true that with so many of the sports that are in the Olympics, we don't really care about them unless it's the Olympics. I mean, I didn't watch the World Championships in swimming, did you? It was probably on ESPN 8, the Ocho, I don't know. I mean, the last time I watched swimming was five years ago in the Olympics. And I thought it must feel really strange to some of these athletes to go from almost no one watching to being on the biggest stage with the whole world watching. Now all most of us see are those Olympic moments, like the inspiring moment when Katie Ledecky, after losing a few days before in the 200 meter freestyle, came back to take gold in the 1500. And what we didn't see though were all the Olympic moments along the way. Those moments in her training over the last several years that prepared her for the big Olympic moment. Those moments when she didn't feel like going to the pool and swimming all those laps, but she did it. Those lonely moments with no crowd cheering her on. Those mundane moments that turned into hours and hours of preparation. For you see, success is being ready for your moment when it comes. When your moment comes, it's too late to prepare. Success is being ready for your moment when the moment arrives. An Olympic champion knows there are a lot of Olympic moments along the way where you have to make courageous decisions daily. So you'll be ready when the big Olympic moment comes your way. And it's the same in life. We all have many Olympic moments. You may not have millions of people watching you on the world stage, but We all have those moments in our lives where we have to make courageous decisions that affect everything about our future. Sometimes we don't even know they're Olympic moments, but we make those decisions, and those decisions make us. I'm talking about those monumental moments where our decisions are magnified, and decisions made in those moments determine your destiny, and today I want us to look at an Olympic moment that we will all face many times in our lives, and what you do during that Olympic moment will determine your whole future. It's what I call no way moments, when the situation you're facing looks impossible and it feels like there's no way to make it through. It feels like there's no way forward where you see no way to fix the problem, no way to change the situation, no way to get around the problem, no way to get over the problem, no way to get through the problem. And maybe you find yourself in one of those no way moments right now. I want you to know that God can turn your no way into a new way. In fact, that's exactly what God wants to do. When he allows us to get into a no way moment, He wants to use that no way moment to turn us into a new way. And that's what God wants to do in so many of our lives today. It's in those no way moments. God can give a new way moment and the light can come on and God can show us a new way where there seemed to be no way. So I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. And I believe that God wants to speak this to you today, Woodlands Church, so would you stand in honor of God's word? And I don't know if it's someone here at the Woodlands campus, if it's someone who's worshiping online on the other side of the world, or if it's someone at one of our satellite campuses, but I know God wants to speak this directly to you. I believe that God speaks through his word, and that's why I teach God's word and preach God's word, and that's why I have you stand just to remember how important God's word is, it's not that big of a deal to stand or not to stand, but it's just just one little reminder that God's word changes lives. And he spoke this to the Israelites, but he speaks this to you today, so follow along with me. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Dear God, I pray today that you just speak to our hearts. Lord, I know your word is so powerful and and you have such a personal and powerful word for each and every person. And I, I thank you, Lord, that in our no way moments, you wanna make a new way for us. And so I know there are many right now in the middle of a no way moment. And I pray, Lord, that by the time this message is done, that you would have revealed to them that you just brought them to the place where you can open up a new way. And I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna do that. Lord, I pray that you would just smash down all the barriers that the enemy has put up that would keep us from really seeing that new way forward that you have for us. And I pray that you would just work miracles and bring healing, Lord, in in lives and in hearts, in marriages and families as only you can. And we expect that, Lord because you are the healer, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And here in this passage, we see God speaking to the Israelites who find themselves right in the middle of a no way moment, where they feel like there is no way forward. And God wants to remind them and to remind you that he loves to take no way moments and turn them into a new way. He loves to take those no way moments where we think there is no way and he loves to make a way that we would've never thought of. You see, the Israelites were God's chosen people. God had led them to the promised land and the reason why God chose them and led them to the promised land is so that they would be a light to all the other nations of the world to shine God's love so that people could look at them and see that's what God is like. I, I can understand more of God's love but yet, They disobeyed, they rebelled against God, and so God allowed the Babylonians, the strongest nation of that day, to come in and to conquer Jerusalem, to destroy the temple, and the Babylonians brought back many of the Israelites to Babylon. And so there they were in captivity in Babylon when this is written, when God speaks this to the prophet Isaiah. And Babylon is modern-day Iraq, and so the 70-year period, when the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon, historians refer to it as the Babylonian exile, and so they were in the Babylonian exile at this time. So the Israelites were far from the land they were made for and the plan they were made for. Here they are, not in the promised land, the land they were made for. They've been conquered, and they're in exile. They're in captivity, but they're in captivity in Babylon. It wasn't great. Uh, But they weren't treated too badly. The Babylonians, what they would do is they would conquer nations and then they would bring back the people to Babylon to help them with their war machine and and all their economy and everything, and they would bring them back, And, and what they would do is they'd let them live in their own little communities and practice some of their own customs and religions. But and so the Israelites in Babylon were treated okay. And now it wasn't great to be conquered, it wasn't great to be in captivity, it wasn't the best living conditions, but they were okay. It wasn't the promised land, but it was the land of okay. And so the Israelites were living in this land of okay. It wasn't the land they were made for, and it wasn't the plan they were made for, but they were living in the land of okay, and so they'd been living several years in the land of okay, And they started forgetting about the promised land. And they just put it out of their mind. They just settled in to the land of okay. And those who were born during the exile, that generation, they didn't know any other way of life. They didn't know there was anything more for them. All they knew was okay. They never expected anything more. They never knew there could be something more than the land of okay. And maybe right now, you're in the land of okay in your life. You're like, my life's okay. I mean, It's okay. But don't you have an ache in your soul? Something telling you you were made for more? You're made for more than just okay? For some of you, you would describe your marriage as, it's Okay. I mean, you know, we kind of do our own thing, and I mean, it's okay. It's not the greatest, but it's okay. And you don't even realize, because maybe that's all you've known. You don't even realize that God wants your marriage to be so much more for your soulmates. Or maybe your business, you describe, well, my business is okay right now, and so I'm glad of that, it's Okay and you don't realize that God wants your business to be so much more, where God wants to use your business to be a blessing, where God wants to use what you do to make a difference in lives for all eternity. You see, God has so much more for you than okay. You are made for more. Now our culture will tell you you were made for more, we hear it all the time. Our culture lies to us and says you were made for more. More money, more success, that's what you need. More notoriety, more fame, more followers, more likes, more views, that's what you need. We start going after those things, but if that's the more you're going after, you'll end up with less. And that's what many today are going after, thinking that, that's gonna fill the emptiness. The more I'm talking about is the more you are made for, more fulfillment, more significance, more joy, more peace, more acceptance, more value. That's the more I'm talking about. Whenever you find yourself in the land of okay, you're not where God wants you to be. God loves you too much to let you stay in the land of okay. And what he does so many times in my life, when I'm in the land of okay, in some area of my life, he will allow a painful situation, an overwhelming problem that will come into my life that will shove me out of okay into it's not okay anymore. You see, God loves you too much to let you stay in the land of okay. And he'll do just about anything to push you out of the land of okay into the land of it's not okay. And that's the way God works, and I want you to understand this progression, because if you're in a no-way moment, you've got to understand this, or you'll really think there is no way. If you're in a no-way moment, you've got to understand the way God works, because he loves you too much to let you stay in okay, and so he will do just about anything to allow something into your life that will push you out of the land of okay into that it's not okay moment where you realize it's not okay anymore. This is painful. It's not okay anymore. I can't do this. It's not okay anymore. But usually when we hit an it's not okay moment, we go right into a my way moment, and we try to do it our own way. We try to fix the problem ourselves, and we try to control the situation, and it quickly moves into a no way moment. And God will allow an okay moment to get to a no way moment really quickly so that he can make a new way in your life. That's his purpose. God wants you to go from okay to a new way, a new level, to be who you were made to be, to do what you were made to do, to live in that promised land that he has for you, his calling, his purpose. And so, if you don't realize that that's the way God works, that when you're in a no way moment, you won't see that God has you right at the place before the new way, and you'll miss it. Now at first, the Israelites in exile and Babylon were okay, but after years, of being in captivity quickly moved from okay to no way. They felt like that there was no way they would ever get back to the promised land. They felt like that was impossible. There's no way that they would overcome the Babylonians. There was no way they would ever get back to the land they were made for and the plan they were made for. That was, It was impossible, there was no way, it was a dead end. It couldn't happen. But God brought them to their no way moment so he could make a new way. And if you're in a no way moment, I need you to know that what you do in a no way moment determines everything about your future. I mean, it's in these no way moments that we have to make some crucial decisions, some courageous decisions in no way moments so we can experience the new way that God has for us. So what do I do in a no way moment? The first thing is remember God. Remember God. God is getting ready to rescue the Israelites from the Babylonians and bring them back to the promised land and before he can rescue them, he has to remind them of who he is and what he can do. You see, no way moments make it possible to remember the God of the impossible. When I'm in the land of okay, I tend to forget God. If I'm in the land of everything's really good, everything's going great, and then I tend to not pray as much or depend upon God or, or seek God, and, and I miss out on that fulfillment that he has for me. And so it's in the land of okay that we tend to forget God, but it's in the land of no way, when we have nowhere else to look but up, that we remember God. It's in an impossible situation that we remember that God is the God of the impossible. And God will allow us to get to that no way situation so that we remember he's the God who turns a no way into a new way. I don't know about you, but when everything's going great in my life, I don't trust God the way I should. And I've come to learn that in life, it's not just one track, like a roller coaster. I used to think of it that way, that sometimes my life's going really good, I'm at the top of the mountain, and then other times my life's on the way down, or it's in the dumps, and you know, and I used to think that that's the way life worked. But I've come to realize that life is not one track where you're either on a high or a low, or you're going up or you're going down. No, life always has two tracks. And in my life, there's always some areas that are going really good. And there's some areas that are really painful at the same time. And I think that God allows it to be that way so that we'll depend upon him and we can find true fulfillment because we can't find it outside of him. And when everything is going good, if we only had one track and it was all good, then I don't know that it would really depend upon him. So if God has you in a no way situation today, this is your way, this is your chance to trust him, and to experience God and his power. In Isaiah 43, 16, it says, this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So God reminds the Israelites of the greatest miracle in their history. How God was the one who made a way where there was no way. And so he wants us in those no way moments to remember God can make a new way where there is no way. If you find yourself in one of those no way moments in some area of your life, it just means God's getting ready to make a new way. And God leads us to that no way intentionally. But then I need to also remember, God will lead you to a no way moment so he can have his way in your life. In Exodus 14, going back to see how the Israelites ended up at the Red Sea. You see, they ended up at the Red Sea. The Red Sea was right before them and the Egyptian army changed their mind. The Pharaoh changes his mind, you know the story, and the whole army is coming after the Israelites and they're trapped at a dead end the Egyptian army on one side who wants to slaughter them, the Red Sea on the other side, they're trapped. It's an impossible situation. It's a dead end. It's a no way moment. And so how did they get there? I mean, is it because they were really not thinking, made a dumb decision to park right there at the Red Sea? Didn't they know the Egyptians could change their mind? Why would they do that? Well, here's why. In Exodus 14, one. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal So the reason the Israelites camped there is because God told them to. The reason the Israelites were in a no-way moment, a dead-end situation, is because God told them to go there. And sometimes God will lead us to a dead end. Sometimes God will lead us to a no way moment so we can have his way in our lives. Because as long as I'm trying to do it my way, God can't do the new way that he wants to do. And so God will many times allow me to get to a dead end so I come to the end of myself. I've gotta die to my way, I've gotta die to okay to find God's new way. And I usually don't die to my way until I get to a dead end and I realize I can't fix this one. I can't control this situation. Uh, This is a dead end. This is impossible. And then I can remember the God of the impossible. And God was reminding them to remember that he leads us to a no way moment so that he can have his way in our lives. But then I need to also remember God will lead me to a dead end to destroy my greatest problem. God will often lead you to a dead end to destroy your greatest problem. In Isaiah 43, 17 it says, He, God, led a mighty army to destruction, an army of chariots and horses. Down they fell, never to rise, snuffed out like the flame of a lamp. Now, this tells me that God actually incited Pharaoh and the Egyptian army to think we made a terrible mistake in letting them go. We're gonna slaughter them, we're coming after them. Now can you imagine if God said to Moses and the Israelites as they're trapped there at the Red Sea? They already know God told them to camp there. And if God told them this, this truth, hey Moses, hey hey you guys, yeah you see the Egyptian army coming after you and they wanna slaughter you, man they are so mad. I just want you to know that I'm the one who put that in their minds. I'm the one who made them start thinking about this. Isn't that exciting? And they would think, wait a minute, God, you you, you told me to go here, and you're the one who incited the enemy to come after me. I mean, are you a loving God? Do you even care about me? You see, they didn't understand God's plan, so he couldn't tell them, hey, I'm the one who did that. But he did it because he loved them and he wanted to destroy their greatest enemy once and for all. In fact, later, God told them, right before they went through, they said, he said, the Egyptian army you see today, you'll never see again. The Egyptians you've seen for 450 years while you've been in slavery, it's over today. That problem is done. You got victory over that one once and for all. Now, you're gonna have more problems when you get in the promised land, but this one's done. I love that. And God is saying to someone today, that problem that you've had for years, that problem that's been hanging on, it's done today. It's over today. I'm gonna give you victory. I'm gonna destroy it because when you're in a no way moment, God will often lead you to that dead end so he can destroy your greatest problem. Maybe that's why you're at a dead end today. Maybe you're at a financial dead end and it seems like you keep coming to this place over and over again in your finances. The same problems, the same troubles, the same dead end and this time you're at a dead end that feels like a no way situation. Could it be that God is getting ready to make a new way in your finances where you do it his way and you follow his biblical principles of giving and budgeting and saving and all the biblical principles that he talks about that bring about that financial freedom from the fears and the worries of finances. Could it be that God's brought you to that dead end so he can destroy that once and for all? Or maybe you're at a marriage dead end where you feel like your marriage is dead, that there's no hope. Could it be that God has brought you to that place so you only look to him so that he can resurrect it and give you a new way. And Maybe you're in an addiction that's come to a dead end where finally you realize you're not God but he is. It's a good place to be because it could be that God brought you to that dead end to destroy that addiction in your life. God often brings us to a dead end To destroy our greatest problem. And the amazing thing is, Satan, our enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, uh, he can't know all the future like God. God's not limited by time and space, he's in the past, present, and future all at the same time. Satan is not like that. He doesn't have the ability to know everything about the future. And so sometimes God draws him out and he thinks he's attacking and he's going to destroy and he's going to. Get the victory, but what a great risk for the enemy every time he tries to attack you. Because every time he tries to attack you, God has allowed that, and God has allowed that to give you a great victory. And he, the enemy, takes a great risk every time he attacks you. Is your marriage coming under attack? The enemy is taking a great risk because God's gonna use it to take your marriage to a deeper and more beautiful and rich and intimate place? Is the enemy attacking your life, attacking your family? God wants to turn that around and destroy some barriers in your family that are keeping you from being as close as he wants you to be. You see, every time Satan attacks, he's attacking your business, he's attacking your work, he's attacking your mind, your emotions. Whenever the enemy attacks, he takes the great risk because God's allowing it to destroy something that's keeping you back. Don't ever forget that. So I need to remember God, and then secondly, deal with the past so you don't dwell in the past. That's one of the reasons God brings you to a a no way moment. God brings us to a dead end so we have to deal with an issue we would never deal with if we were in the land of okay. And many times God will bring me to a dead end and I would never deal with that issue that's in my life until I got to that dead end and okay, now I gotta deal with this. I can ignore things real easily in my life until I get to a dead end, then I gotta deal with it. In Isaiah 47, 18, God says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. But you can't forget the past until you've dealt with the past. If you don't deal with the past, then the past affects all the decisions you make in the present And you can't overcome the past and you can't forget the past and heal from the past until you experience the pain of brokenness. You can't break free from your past until you experience the pain of brokenness. Until you come to the place where you realize there's no way. Sometimes God has to break you before he can make you. He loves us so much, he'll lead us to a no way moment to break us of our pride, our self-sufficiency, our trying to control, our trying to play God, because it's the brokenness that leads to blessedness. Whenever I come to a place of just brokenness, not worried what people think about me, I'm just broken, and I admit it, and by the way, we're all broken, and I bring that brokenness to God, that's when I find blessedness. That's when God's power works in my life. That's when I find healing and strength in a new way. I've got to die to okay and die to my way to find God's way. So how do I deal with the past so I don't dwell on it? Well, the amazing thing is I've got to accept responsibility in this moment. The first step is I've got to accept responsibility in the moment that I'm in. In Ezra 10.4, Ezra the prophet is trying to help all Israel rebuild their nation and the Israelites have sinned and it wasn't Ezra's fault, but yet Ezra had the big responsibility of leading and so in Ezra 10, 4, the people say, rise up, this matter's in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. And saying, Ezra, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And so many things that have happened in your past are not your fault, but now it's your responsibility in this moment to deal with it. And... Some of the things that have happened in my past were all my fault, and I have to step up and deal with it. There are three kinds of people. Accusers, those who always blame others for all their problems. Excusers, those who make excuses for all their problems. And choosers, those who choose to take responsibility for their attitude and actions. And I've got to choose to take responsibility for my attitude and actions. But rather than adjusting my attitude, I usually want to adjust my circumstances. Rather than adjusting your attitude, usually what you want to do is adjust your circumstances. You know, that's the first thought we have. If I could just change jobs, if I could just change cities, if I could just change houses, if I could just change spouses, then everything's gonna be great. You know, and we want to change our circumstances. My dad said something to me years ago that I've thought about so many times when it's like, oh, I just need to change my circumstances. He said, if you need to move one inch from where you are right now to be happy, you'll never be happy. What was he saying? Well, I figured it out finally. When he said, if you just need to move one inch to be happy, you'll never be happy. What he was saying was, wherever you go, there you are, and you're the problem. You see, it's not circumstances. I've got to take responsibility because happiness is something that comes from within, from choosing God's way. But many times we try to change our circumstances instead of our attitude, or we try to change the people around us. Have you done that? You know, husbands trying to change their wife, wives trying to change their husbands because if they would just change, everything would be great or We try to change our boss. If the boss would change, change friends. if If they would just change, we try to change other people all the time. And when you try to change someone else, you forget about the things that you need to do to change. We can only take responsibility for the things that we can change. But we start judging others. Whenever you try to change someone else and you get your eyes off what you need to do, then you become judgmental like Mildred, this small town church gossip. She was the self-appointed arbiter of morals in her little church, always sticking her nose in everybody else's business and then talking about them and pointing out their faults and most of the members in the little church where she went weren't very appreciative of her activities but they were too afraid of her to say anything about it. But Mildred made a mistake one day when she accused George, a new Christian in the church, of being an alcoholic because she saw his pickup truck parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. And really, George was just going to the feed store next door. But then later, when she saw George with several other of the church members, she said, everyone knows what you're up to. We saw your truck in front of the bar. We know what you've been doing. Well, George was a man of few words. He didn't say anything. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to set the record straight. He didn't do anything until later that night. He drove his pickup over to Mildred's house and he parked his pickup in front of her house and he left it there all night long. I love that. I love guys like George. Many times, though, you know, we can see what other people are doing wrong so easily. It's just so easy, isn't it? But, oh, we're so blind to what we're doing and what we need to do. You can only take responsibility for yourself. And then we need God's power to change. And that's why I have to embrace grace in this moment. You see, I can't change myself. I have to take responsibility for the changes in my life, but I can't do it. Without God's power, I need his grace every moment. Grace is the power to change. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, nine, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. See, when I bring my weaknesses to God, my struggles to God, my brokenness to God, and say, God, I can't do this, I can't fix this, I need you. It's an impossible situation that's when I get God's grace. When I admit my weakness, that's when God fills me with his strength and his power. For you see, God works his greatest miracles in the middle of no way moments when I come to the end of my way. And I admit, I need him desperately. I need him every moment. Every moment of every day, I just don't realize it many times until I get into a no way moment. Here's a prayer that's, really powerful, it's made a lot of difference in my life, and I, I know you're going to want this prayer, and, and so we'll try to post it online, because you, you're going to need this prayer. It, I mean, it, it, to me, it's more powerful than the serenity prayer. It's this. Dear Lord, so far today, I'm doing all right. I've not lost my temper. I've not lusted. I've not gossiped. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or indulgent. I haven't whined, complained, or cursed. However, I am going to get out of bed in a few minutes, and I will need a lot more help after that. Amen. I encourage you to pray that every day. Every day. Isn't that the truth, though? We need God every moment of every day because we're powerless to change. Without it, but he gives us grace, the power to change. So remember God. Deal with the past so you don't dwell on the past. But the third thing, is so important, open your eyes to the new thing God is doing. I've got to open my eyes to that new thing God is doing. In Isaiah 47 19, God says, See, I am doing a new thing. God says, Open your eyes. I'm already turning this no way moment into a new way moment. You aren't seeing it though. Open your eyes and see, I'm already doing it right in the middle of your no way moment where it feels like a dead end and there's no way forward. God's already making a new way. He's already working for you. He's already in the future. He's already working the problem. He's on it. He's already making a new way. Isaiah 47, 19, the second part of the verse, God says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God says, I'm already doing it, it springs up, and so you need to perceive it. Now, to perceive it, you gotta ask God to open your spiritual eyes, and so maybe that's what God wants you to get out of this message today is to pray, God, help me perceive it. I'm in the middle of a dead end. I I don't see how you're gonna deliver me. God, I'm in the middle of a no way moment. I don't see the new way at all. Help me perceive it. You can't see it with human eyes, but you can perceive it with spiritual eyes. You can perceive it in your heart. Now, you gotta look for something small because he says, now it springs up. Now, springs up means it's gonna grow really fast, but it also means it's just springing up. And so, don't discount the small victories in your life. Look for those small victories because that's where God works. But it's hard to see it in the middle of a no way moment. We get blinded to the new thing that God is doing. It's so crucial in the middle of a no way moment to ask God to help you perceive the new way that he's already making because he's already doing it. You don't have to make the new way. He's already doing it. And if I perceive it, I'll believe it and then I can receive it. In the last part of verse 19, God says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and springs in the wasteland. That's what he's doing. He's already making a way in the wilderness. You feel like your life's in a wilderness right now? and you have no purpose, God is already making a way in the wilderness. You feel like your marriage is in the desert right now? God is already digging a way so that that spring of life and refreshing can flow into your marriage, and that desert can become an oasis. God's already working. Are you in the wilderness of worry? The desert of depression, God is already working a new way. He's already working for you. He's making a way in the wilderness. It doesn't say He's making his way for you when everything is perfect and where everything is perfect. No, he's making a way in the wilderness. So if you're in the wilderness, it's good news. God's already making a way. If you're in a wasteland right now in some area of your life, good news. God's already making a way. I love 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It says, in this small and temporary trouble we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. What is he saying? He's saying, trouble, your trouble is temporary. That trouble that you think you'll never get through, that problem is temporary. That your pain is not permanent. Because when you're in a no way situation, you are like the Israelites. You don't see how there could be any other way. In a no way, you can't see any other way. But just know this, your pain is not permanent. That problem, that trouble is temporary and God's gonna see you through. You are gonna make it with God's power. God says to you today, right in the middle of your no way moment, don't you ever forget that I'm the God who can take a no way moment and make a new way. God is making a new way in your life right now. He's doing it already. Ask him, give me the ability to perceive it, Lord. He's making a way in the wilderness. God is making a new way for you. Do you believe that? Let's just thank the Lord right now and claim that. Believe it. Perceive it. Let's just give him a thank you right now. God, I believe you that you are making a new way. Let's pray together. Dear Lord God, we come before you. And Lord, I know in those no way moments of my life that I don't feel it. I don't feel like you're making a new way. I I don't see you making a new way. All I can feel is that no way moment. And Lord, it it just can really overcome us. So I just pray right now for everyone in a no way moment that you would help them pray, God, help me perceive the new way you're making. Help me see it this week. It may be something really small, but help me recognize it. And Lord, I pray also for those who are in a no way moment that you would just give them, Lord, just a little bit of faith to have some hope. And Lord, I pray especially that for all of us in a no way moment that we would stop trying to do it our own way and we would just let you have your way. And I know there are many at a place, Lord, where they just feel like giving up. Lord, I pray that they would not give up, but they would just give it all over to you. Just give it all over to you. I know you bring us to the end of ourselves Lord so you can fill us with you and I pray that you would do that right now empty us of ourselves and fill us up with your power and your strength I pray for those who have never received you Lord that they would right now and just they would just in the silence of their hearts pray this prayer Jesus Christ I need you I'm broken I need your forgiveness of my sins. I need you to bring healing and wholeness to my life. I need you, Jesus Christ, to take me to heaven one day. I accept your free gift of forgiveness and salvation in heaven. Thank you for saving me. Be the Lord of my life and help me grow. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's right now at a no way moment in their marriage, that you would just show them that new way. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's in a no-wait moment in their finances, that you would just show them that new way. I pray, Lord, for everyone who's in a no-wait moment in their life, in their career, in their relationships, whatever it may be, that you would just show them that new way, and Lord, that you would make a new way as you have promised and you would smash down all the things that the enemy has put up that would keep them from experiencing that new way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God is up to great things, Woodlands Church. He's doing so many new and amazing things through you, and so now we're at the point of our service where we give. We give back to him some of what he's given us. Our ushers are gonna come and and take our offering, and I really just encourage and I challenge you to give. Give because you love God. And then when you give, pray that God will multiply it. We're doing more ministry than ever in the history of our church, right in the middle of everything going on, reaching out, making a difference in this area and around the world. And so you can also give by using your smartphone. Just text the word GIVEWC to 77977. GIVEWC, one word, to 77977. Or you can give on your computer WC.org slash give. You can give stocks. You can give assets. You can mail in your gift, but give. Give for the glory of God. And give because you love the ministries of Woodland Church. And whenever you give, God also says, I'll give back to you more. I'll give back to you more. You see, that's one of the toughest areas to trust God in is in our giving. But it's where the rubber meets the road. If God doesn't work in our finances, and God doesn't work, in our relationships, then God doesn't work. And so God wants to work in this important area of your life. So I just really challenge you to give for the glory of God. And then you watch for what God does in your life. He'll meet your needs. He'll see you through. He'll do amazing things when you give up to God. You give him all that you are. Give him everything that you are. Your time, talent, and your treasure. And God says when it comes to giving, you just give back the first 10% to show that I'm first place in your life. When it comes to giving, though, he really wants us to surrender everything we are to him and thank him and live in grace because God will provide Wherever God guides, God provides. That's what we always do at Woodland Church. We step out in faith constantly. And God's already calling us to a new vision at Woodland Church to step out in faith to make a difference all over our area and all over the world. I mean, God is doing something amazing. He's using you to change the world in a powerful way. And so as we keep stepping out in faith, where God guides, God provides. And that's the way it works in your life. We always want God to provide, and then we step out in faith. But that's not faith. It's called gratitude. We need to do that. Where God guides, God provides. But we have to step out and follow him in that. Well, Lord, we thank you for our giving. We just pray that you would help every one of us. Lord, just really be able to release to you all that we are because we can trust you with the most important areas of our life. I pray, Lord, especially for those who give, that you would just bless them and strengthen them in every way, that you would just fulfill your word and your promise that I know you will, that you will give back more than they could ever give. And I thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for you so loved the world that you gave the greatest gift of all. Help us be more like you in every way. Multiply these gifts, Lord, to minister to all of our over 100 ministries and missions for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in church, I want us to stand and let's sing our closing song. And I know that God wants you to sing it in faith. And when you sing it in faith, I want you just to pray sometime through this song. Just say, God, help me perceive the new thing you're doing. God, thank you that you want to make a new way in my life. God, I thank you that you don't want this just to be okay. You wanna take me to a new way. In faith, pray those things to God as you sing, and let's sing with all our hearts. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.